Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 62 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In the last podcast, we looked at the current state of blogging. We've both done some presentations recently, and that gave us an idea for this episode. Tom, do you want to tell them our agenda for this episode? Sure, Dennis. In this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we'll discuss our favorite presentation tips and how to handle it when your time is short. In our second segment, which we're calling Revisiting, we talk about questions, comments, and discussion raised by a previous episode. And as usual, we'll end with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can begin to use as soon as this podcast is over. But on to our first segment presentations. We actually got our idea from this podcast from our last podcast, which ran a little bit longer than we intended. It got us thinking about ways uh, to make sure that your presentation, when you're giving a presentation or a speech, doesn't run too long. Dennis, why, why do you think that people tend to run long in their presentations? Well, I think that people really try to load up their presentations these days with lots of great information And then there will be some unexpected things that really cut into the time. So if you do rehearse and plan for time and you know that, say, you have 50 minutes, you do 50 minutes of material and then you don't realize that it may start late, intros will go long, you get some unexpected questions. All of a sudden, uh, what you thought was 50 minutes is really more like 40 or 35. And so you you I, I think consistently people find themselves running out of time. And then all of a sudden somebody will tell you, you have 30 seconds to wrap things up. And and, and and so I think that surprises a, a lot of people. So I thought, Tom, uh, sort of my thought is that I now always assume that I'm going to run out of time, no matter how well I, I've planned it or how how good my intentions are. And so I thought maybe what we do is to, is to talk about our favorite tips for when you get that sinking feeling that, that you're running out of time. And I I guess let me let me throw out the first one, which is this sure. simply simply rather than I know everybody puts all this effort into rehearsals and especially rehearsing the introduction, you know, almost memorizing the introduction. I think that if you want if you're running out of time, the, the, one of the best things you can do is actually to rehearse your conclusion so that, you know, when somebody tells you you have 30 seconds or a minute that you can jump in and you can knock out a really strong, solid conclusion. So, Tom, I know that uh, we were talking ahead of this podcast saying that you sort of had a, a more ad-libbed style a lot of times. But how when you get that, that, that sort of one minute to go and you have to sum up, I know in some ways you're known for just picking up the speed. But what are, what are the typical <laughs> things that, that you would do that you think are sort of the one best tip for people to prepare for that situation? Well, you know, and and you you hit it on the head. I am probably guilty of not preparing as well as I should for presentations, but I try not to get to the point where I get to that last minute and I'm having to 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 do that. Really what I wind up doing is I get to the last maybe 5 minutes and I realize that. And I guess that leads to my first tip. My first tip is have a clock. 
have something up there. I, you know, for the one of the best parts of of, of uh, presenting with State Bar of Texas is every single time I present, there's a timer up there, and it counts backwards, and it's great because it starts with how many minutes I've got, and then all of a sudden I look at it and it says five minutes, and I can then judge where I happen to be in the presentation, and and so having a timer, I think, is one of my best tips because you know when when you're sitting there re- relying on someone else I've been in presentations where all of a sudden somebody shows up in the back of the room and says you have 30 seconds left and it really is a panic inducing moment and so I think that 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 timer is the is one of the first things let me my but that really sort of goes in line with the whole idea of timing this is one thing I don't do but I probably should do more often and that is actually timing how long it it takes to do my speech, just in general, obviously you're not. It's not going to be the same, like you say, Dennis. When you show up, um, it might start late. There might be more questions. You might talk longer to explain a point than you expected to. But having a general idea of how long things are going to go, and then understanding that you know by the 15 minute mark I should be here, or by the 30 minute mark I should be here, and that helps you plan for the end of your presentation. So that's th- th- those are. I'm going to save a couple more tips for a few minutes, but those are two of the tips that I have in terms of at least planning is time at first so you have an idea so you're not rushing to beat that last minute race that you might find at the end. And then, uh, yeah, I think those are great. I'm going to go back to to that idea in a, in a little bit, I think, Tom. But my next tip is is uh, Cliff Atkinson's book, Beyond Bullet Points, which is is known, I think, most for the idea of pulling the bullet points off slides, going to more visual slide approach. So uh, pictures on the slides, just a few words. But I, I think the best part of that book is where he looks at the traditional approach of to storytelling and the types of stories and themes that we're used to doing and gives you a structure to put those things together. And so it's not so much the, the style of doing the, the slides uh, that's the key to the book, I think, but his approach to how you, you structure a presentation and how you can uh, put it together so you can do the same presentation in a five-minute version, a 15-minute version, a 45-minute version. I know, Tom, I once did, uh, we were doing a presentation together once, and I had done a presentation based on the same set of slides in 90 minutes, and I was put to the test of doing it in less than 10 minutes, which I was able to do using the same set of slides because I had that beyond bullet points uh, structure. And that gives you some freedom, but also it just helps you to say, hey, if I need to cut, I know how I hit the main points. And I know that I just go to one, the, the next level of sub points and I drop that third level. Well, you know, I, I, I love the beyond bullet points uh, concept. I like being able to, I think that for presentation purposes, being able to do it visually rather than too much text, I'm just amazed at how many people still put too much text on slides. But here's where I kind of quibble a little bit in terms of time saving. I think that the less text you have on a slide or maybe the less structure that a slide has, the more discipline you need to have in timing how much you want to talk. I think that seeing that image m- may give you more freedom in wanting to, to discuss it. And so I, I think that that if you're going to go by that type structure where you do go more graphic images and things like that and less text, you're going to need to even be 
bigger and, and, and better at timing what you're doing ahead of time to understand what's going to happen. Now, one of the things that I think is a useful tool is to just go into PowerPoint and use the rehearse timings feature that, are, that happens to be in PowerPoint. And you can rehearse your speech and it will tell you, here's how long I'm spending on each slide. And so that way you can judge, do any slides need to get trimmed off? Do I need to change what I'm doing? Uh, you know, I think that there, I've seen some people who say that there's three types of slides. There's one slide that takes you about 30 seconds to talk about. There's one that takes about a minute. And then the one that is longer is maybe three minutes or so. And figuring out what's what, I think using that tool is a great is a great way to understand what you're doing. But what I wind up doing, and, and this will be one of my last tips before we close out, one, one of the things that I wind up doing is um, I will understand going into the presentation what slides... I don't need to use the ones I don't need to talk about. There will be things that are in there that I can uh, that I can easily say they're in the materials or we don't need to discuss this today. And I can easily get through those if I have to and just pass over them. I think there's nothing more awkward than to have somebody who gets that 30 second uh, uh, warning and they can't figure out what they need to cover first. So if you wind up going too late, I think it's a good idea to say, what are the most important points I need to cover before ending, in addition to having that conclusion, not really memorized, but at least practiced so that you're able to, to give it in a way that's meaningful, I think can help you be a lot more confident should you run out of time at the end. Yeah, and, and I think sometimes you'll see people talk about that as putting yourself in the position of the audience and say, what's in it for me as an audience member? And I think that's to me, is a big key when you, when you need to save time is to say, okay, what are the things I really want the audience to get out of this? And let me make those points. The other thing that you talked about when you're talking about that rehearsal timing is that I do a couple of things. And so I like to to do a timing on the slides. So I see the slides where there's a potential problem. And then I say, okay, is there something in there that I just have to do that maybe doesn't make sense, an extra story or something like that, that I know I can drop if need be. And if I have plenty of time, I'll put that together. The other thing I've always done is I streamline this, this slide sequence at the end. So I say, okay, I'm doing a, period, a set of slides at the end, and I'm able to cut those down and to move through them quickly if need be. So even if I say, here's 10 key points, I know I can put that slide up and then I can just talk about two of them, let the audience read the le the, the rest of them. And then right. Tom, Tom, as you know, with me, I always work. So my last slide is, is, I call it three action steps. So I say, okay, here are the things you can do when you leave here. Here's something you can do in 20 minutes and here's three of them. And I leave with that and that I know I can get through that slide in 30 seconds or so. And I leave with a really strong conclusion that lets people that tells people, here's something you can go and do right now. And I really like that approach. I, I will end my part of this segment by giving some thought about questions because there will be sessions and presentations where there might be questions at the end. You may be getting questions at the beginning of a session or, or throughout the session, but um, especially I think most presentations end up with questions at the end. And I think you need to be able to judge what kind of session is this? Is it one that I'm going to just finish and there won't be a lot of questions or it'll be handled throughout the session or will it happen? Is there a dedicated question and answer time? And I think that that if you plan to not take questions at the end, then I think maybe a good rule of thumb is to plan on speaking for no more than, you know, 95 percent of your allotted time. Just to, to that's the the idea you go into the presentation and that you train and practice for uh, before you give the presentation. If you've got going to have questions, 
questions at the end, then maybe plan on 75 to 80% of your allotted time will be for the presentation and then giving up the rest for the questions. But uh, those to me, I think, will allow you to have enough time so that you're not right up against the end of the hour and people are trying to leave while other people are trying to ask questions, which I think can be kind of annoying to the people who want to know the answer to certain questions. So, Dennis, take us out of this segment by uh, suggesting a couple of or your I guess your last best tips. Uh, yeah, so just a couple of things, and and one is that well, you talked about having the clock or the watch. I found that I am not able to to focus on that or to see that a lot of times. So I like having that human timer in your audience, somebody who holds up a sign that says ten minutes, five minutes, one minute is really helpful to me um, because I have a tendency not to look for a watch. The other thing, so what I'll go out with is what I, the rule of threes, as I call it. So I would be say, can I? consistently make three points. And so if I have a lot of time, I just make those three points. So for this, I would say, I would suggest that you create and rehearse a 30 second closing Second, I would say, look at the Beyond Bullet Points book, especially the the grid that he and the structure that he proposes for putting together your presentation in addition to your slides. And then most important, I want to I want you to be able to say in th- three key points that you want your audience to leave with and be able to make those in, in 15 seconds or less. And, and, and I think that will help you when you run out of time. Very good tips, Dennis. Uh, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick uh, break with a few words from the Legal Talk Network and Clio, online practice management for attorneys at goclio.com. Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack is going to talk to us about the benefits of cloud computing. Now, what do you think the single biggest benefit to cloud computing is? In talking to our customers recently uh, about that very question, I was surprised with what came back with as, as a really resounding response, and, and that was that it's the convenience and the freedom that cloud computing affords them. The ability to get their work done from anywhere, whether it's at their office, at the courthouse, at home, or even if they're on vacation, they're able to get their work done where and when they need to get it done. Uh, The mobile aspect of things is also increasingly important. With cloud-based software, you can access your data and software from your iPhone or your iPad, uh, your BlackBerry, uh, and other mobile devices. So for the uh, lawyers that are on the move, which is an increasing uh, proportion of lawyers, that's a a really key benefit as well. We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you. And if anyone wants additional information on Clio, they can feel free to visit www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O.com. Need to reach lawyers on the go? Try marketing with new media here on Legal Talk Network. We can start the conversation for you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and shoot us an email or call us at 781-551-9960. And welcome back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In this segment, we'll be doing another round of revisiting, where we go back to the main topic of the prior episode, which was blogging at the crossroads, and talk about questions and discussions we saw from that episode. So we got a a great email from our friend Neil Squalante at TechnoLawyer, and we thought we'd share them and try to answer them in in this segment. So Neil raises an interesting point where he says the more advanced content management systems these days are rendering the word blog irrelevant. He says, so are mobile apps, so are spam filters. Um, And while content remains as important as ever, um, 
is it time to start thinking of moving beyond the traditional reverse chronological order of blogs and do something more sophisticated um, that's sort of blog-like maybe in nature, that it's content, but doesn't necessarily, uh, that we might not necessarily call a blog? I, you know, I think Neil raises a great point and something that probably was beyond the scope of what we were talking about, because I think that for most lawyers who are who are dealing with it now, the technology just isn't there yet. It's not we don't have um, those types of tools that can create things that are, um, are are a little bit more of a sophisticated publication. Although I will say, working in WordPress, I'm finding the ability to create um, some very interesting layouts that don't necessarily look like a blog and 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 looks look a little bit different, but. Uh, you know, I think that he's absolutely right. As but 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 the 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 technology is going to evolve, but that's not really, I think, going to change the nature of how the content is provided. The content is still going to be provided by the quote blogger in forms of articles or blog posts. I think that what we're going to see is that those posts are going to be displayed in many different ways, whether that's on a mobile app that looks completely different from a blog, or whether that's in a magazine style. You know, I I very much enjoy using either Flipboard or Zite on my iPad. And, and seeing it in that format, that looks nothing like a blog, but I'm pulling RSS feeds to look at it. So I'm, it's, it's very similar to what I uh, would be doing if I were viewing the blog. I just think that right now, uh, the technology, uh, it, it's, it's sort of getting there like we talked about. But I don't think that right now, it, for the lawyer's purpose in starting the blog, that's really happening yet. Dennis, what do you think? Well, I think this goes back to the old, the very basic notion of XML and CSS that we, content is one thing, and then um, how it's viewed is is separated from that. Or so we have the content plus we have a wrapper, and so then I, I think that you would say I create this content and people consume it in different ways that I'm able to put out there, and, and maybe they have a lot more control of, um, and and so I don't necessarily control how they they see that. So there are people who I know get my blog in the form of email. It's possible you could say, oh, I get the Techno Lawyer mobile app and you don't realize that it's a blog until your experience of it becomes different. Um, people may be doing text to speech in the future, but essentially we're creating this content, putting it out um, in, in a way that it can be wrapped in in sort of display or, or, or other technologies that allow people to see it in the way that they really need to see that. And so I think I think that is coming. And I, I think that sort of simple, I think he does have a point with this sort of simple reverse chronology of, of blog posts. I think we've struggled with that over the years to say, how do we, it's just the newest stuff is on top. How do we point people to the most important things or, or to direct them or help them navigate through? But so I, I think he's on to something, but I think it's, it's at the base of it is, Get that content out there and make and allow people to consume it in in the way that makes sense for them. I agree. I think that that one of the things you mentioned there that I believe is that whatever the technology is, it has to be simple. Um, I think that it took lawyers a long time to catch on to it, and or, or maybe blogging technology to get even simpler than it was before. Um, although, frankly, I think that when you look at tools like WordPress, you're seeing sort of a simple tool that's made amazingly complex and powerful just by how how many features it, ha it happens to have. But I think that unless you've got tools that are simple, that can 
that can create that wrapper that you talk about in a way that um, is easy for a lawyer to do without hiring somebody to do it or, or, or that is at very low cost to them. I think it's going to be interesting to see whether people adopt that kind of technology in the near future. Yeah, Tom, and, I, and the only thing I really want to add to that is is that I, I and Neil suggested we mention Blog World, B L A W G World, uh, which he calls the ultimate human powered legal blog aggregator, which is a an, an really great feature on on TechnoLawyer to help. I think people sift through a lot of the the legal blog material, and and so I'm I'm happy to mention that on the podcast. No, absolutely, Blog World is great. I you know looked at the my most recent episode uh, episode issue of uh, of Blog World, and I noticed that even though they call it a, a, a legal blog aggregator, there are many, I, w- I don't know that it's half, but it's almost half of the articles don't actually come from legal blogs, but they deal with technology issues that I think all lawyers need to know about. And so uh, absolutely worth a the free subscription that uh, you would get if you sign up for it. Before we go on to our parting shots, let's have a word from Firm Manager from LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions. Try it out free at myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. If you like listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, you might also like the podcast, Law Technology Now on LegalTalkNetwork.com. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. Now it's time for our parting shots. That one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. Mine is very quick and easy, and I'm not even sure that it's something you absolutely want to... I think it's something that comes under the idea of experimentation, and that is that if you're you're a Gmail user, Gmail has finally introduced a preview pane. I use a preview pane in Outlook, and I love it. I love being able to see what's in the email when when I highlight it without actually opening the email, and now Gmail has that feature. If you go to Labs and then go down and enable the preview pane feature, you can either set up a vertical pane so it's side-by-side or a horizontal pane so it's underneath your email. It still has some bugs to work out, and that's why I say, like, that's why they put it in a lab, because it it still has some testing to do. But uh, if you like the preview pane, check it out in Gmail. It's available now. Dennis. You know, mine is... Kind of emaily, but it's an Outlook uh, set of tips. I was I was messing around in Outlook tasks this week, and there's this couple. I've, I ran into a couple of things I think could be useful to people. So on tasks, uh, first thing is that you could create these subfolders in tasks, so you could have like a work, a home. You know, if you coach a soccer team or something like that, you could create a separate folder to put those related tasks into one thing. And and it's just it may just take one folder that could be really helpful to you. The other thing I noticed. 
is there's some standard views. Uh, so you can show your active tasks, your completed tasks, you know, other things like that. And uh, just to, with the right click on there, you can do some customization of that. So because uh, you might see it showing some different things in uh, like my active view versus my completed view. Those things show different things. I can now customize those really easily, choose the same fields, order them in the same way, and then I can easily move to different views of the task. Just simple little things that can make a big difference if you use uh, the, the task uh, feature in Outlook. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mall Report, which I think we got done very close to our goal of 20 minutes. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, uh, are available on our newly renovated show notes blog at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast at the Legal Talk Network site or in iTunes. And if you have questions or suggestions for upcoming episode topics, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network, the premier online legal media network. Don't run out of time to subscribe to this podcast in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.